welcome to an episode of Scandinavian Art by Konsthistoriepodden. My name is Alexandra Frid. And my name is Alexandra Herlitz. In this podcast, we select works of art that have interesting stories behind them. We talk about the creative process, the time period, the artist's life, and how to interpret the works of art. We've done the podcast in Swedish for almost three years. However, we received so many inquiries about doing the podcasts in English. So we decided that we should do some episodes in English, especially about the Scandinavian works of art. The most important thing about Konsthistoriepodden has always been to make art comprehensible and accessible to anyone despite background. So we thought the podcast would be a great way of making the scholarship about the Scandinavian art available in English. We're both senior lecturers in the art history department at Gothenburg University in Sweden. Yes, and we also share an international background as I studied in Germany. And I studied in the US and in England. We also share a passion for traditional art history. And in the past decade, we have worked together, we've taught on the same courses, we developed new courses. And we traveled around the world to look at art. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about a painting that is very, very well known to a Swedish audience, but probably not as well known outside of Scandinavia. The oil painting is called Nordic Summer Evening and was painted by the Swedish artist Rickard Berg. It's a large painting that measures 170 times 223.5 centimeters. It's displayed in the Gothenburg Museum of Art on the Swedish West Coast. The painting is dated to 1899 to 1900 and was bequested to the Art Museum in 1902 by the Jewish patrons Jotilda and Pontus Furstenberg. The painting Nordic Summer Evening was shown for the first time in Stockholm in 1901. In the painting, we see a woman and a man standing on a porch, looking out over some water and splendid nature in a soft evening light. The man and the woman stand some distance apart and lean against two posts. The couple have their heads turned away from the audience and look to the seascape in the background. The last rays of the evening sun fall onto the calm scene unfolding before our eyes. Before we take a closer look at the subject matter and the composition, we will tell you a little about the artist behind this painting. Richard Berg was born into a family of artists in 1868. He began his studies at the Royal Swedish Academy of Fine Arts in Stockholm and continued his studies in Paris at the Académie Colorossi, as many of his artists' peers did. In 1883, he made his debut at the Paris Salon and became a member of the Opponents, later known as the Artists' Union. The Opponents was a group of Swedish artists who rebelled against the traditions and regulations of the Art Academy in Stockholm, very much like the artists of the Secession in Vienna or Berlin. In 1893, Berg joined his close friends Nils Kröge and Karl Nordström in the seaside town of Varberg on the Swedish west coast. In this artist's colony, called the Varberg School, they painted atmospheric landscape paintings. During this time, he completed one of his most famous paintings, The Knight and the Maiden, which nowadays can be found at the Thiel Gallery in Stockholm. 
After a trip to Italy between 1897 and 1898, Barry came to focus more on the Nordic landscape, and he increasingly painted in a style that became known as the Swedish National Romanticism. He was not only an accomplished artist, but also a renowned art writer who became the director of the Swedish National Museum in 1915. For the last part of his life, Berg would live in an affluent suburb to Stockholm. Berg's painting, Nordic Summer Evening, is an example of the national romanticism in Sweden, which became predominant during the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. The period revolved around art that glorified the national identity by portraying the nation's history, imagery from Norse mythology, and not least, the country's characteristic nature. National Romanticism was developed in most Western countries simultaneously. As the 19th century was a century of nation-building in Europe, these national styles became very important to the establishment of national identities. After the French Revolution and the Napoleonic Wars, the political map of Europe changed significantly. During the Congress of Vienna in 1814-15, the map of Europe was redrafted, new borders were drawn, and new states were founded. Therefore, people needed to create communities and a sense of belonging. These processes were very complex. In the visual arts, they were aiming to establish common ground. This was based on the understanding of which historical events were significant for the nation and what literature, art, and music reflected the national identity. This is what people dealt with in the course of the 19th century and became imperative for the construction of new national identities. As for the fine arts, it was very much about creating national motifs that became typical of the country you lived in. During the 19th century in Sweden, we have painters such as Bengt Nordenberg and Johan Fredrik Höckert, who were associated with the German Düsseldorf School and who created genre paintings. The genre paintings in Sweden in the early 19th century show, for instance, scenes of the rural populations in their traditional clothing and the characteristic wooden houses. By the end of the 19th century, the time when Richard Berry was active as a painter, the national romanticism in Sweden took a new direction. Then, it was, among other things, atmospheric landscape paintings that became popular and compositions that elevated Swedish nature with its characteristic features. Not least, twilight landscapes were painted in what came to be called the Nordic Light. The twilight mode was, of course, a trend that came from Paris, but was adopted by the Swedish artists who applied it to their Swedish motifs. The painting Nordic Summer Evening is, of course, painted exactly in this manner. Many Swedish artists who were active during the last decades of the 19th century had lived abroad for long periods of time, above all in Paris and France. When they returned to their home country in the mid-1880s, contemporary Swedish art criticism shows that they struggled to be recognized as Swedish national painters. They were criticized for adopting the modern French style in their painting, which was not really that strange after all the years they spent abroad keeping up to date with modern art. 
When they were back in Sweden in the mid-1880s, they had to paint Swedish motifs for Swedish audience, and because of that, they also had to tone down their French influences. This is also something that these artists themselves wrote about, like Richard Bay did, in order to assert their position as Swedish national painters. Richard Bay wrote in a letter, We must become Swedes. We have been French for long enough now. We must take off our French gloves and crawl into our peau de Suède, our Swedish skin. Only then we can conquer the Swedish audience completely. We must poke at its finest heart nerves. Then the victory will be ours forever. Rika Bay was for sure one of the artists whose voice was heard the most because of the many articles he published. In these, he claimed that the earlier 19th century art in Sweden was not genuine. In fact, he claimed that this art was Swedish motifs painted in a German style and that artists had imitated the Düsseldorf school too much. In contrast, Barry claimed that the national romanticism that he and his peers created at the end of the 19th century was true genuine Swedish art. But what about the French clubs that Berg wanted to discard of? Around 1900, national romanticism showed clear influences of French styles such as Impressionism, Japanism and Synthetism. Probably this is not obvious, as the motifs appear to be completely Swedish. Even the twilight landscapes had their origins in France, where many paintings showed melancholic evening scenes. The French paintings were often called crépuscule, which translates into twilight in French. Let's focus on our painting. Nordic Summer Evening is a painting created entirely in the spirit of national romanticism. It portrays a melancholic summer evening set in Swedish nature, illuminated by the characteristic Nordic evening sunlight. It's easy to imagine that a single quiet moment is depicted, but in fact, Barry had worked on the composition for years, and not only in Sweden, but after many extended stays abroad in the 1880s and 1890s, Barry had once again Stockholm as his base. The idea for Nordic Summer Evening came about during a trip similar to a Grand Tour. A Grand Tour was an educational trip during which you visit various cultural sites around Europe. Barry had never been to Italy before, but had long dreamed of going there. After his first wife died from cancer, he traveled to Florence with his second wife. A Scandinavian colony gathered in Florence in the fall of 1897, including the Swedish artist couple Hanna and Georg Pauli, as well as the Danish painter Viggo Johansson and his wife Marta. The party also included the two models who are depicted in Nordic Summer Evening, namely the Swedish opera singer Karin Pyk and Bergs artist friend and member of the royal family Prince Eugene. We perceive the painting as harmonious, both in composition and its subject matter. But Barry worked with these aspects over several years and in several different locations. Barry made various preliminary studies and oil sketches until he was pleased with his final version. The background showing the Swedish landscape is based on a view from Ekholmsnäs estate on the island Lidingö outside of Stockholm. 
Ekholmsnes is a small manor which was by summer residence from 1897 to 1900. What we see is the view of Kyrkviken from the actual porch depicted in the painting. It is a little difficult to piece together the creative process of this painting. In previous research, there are, in fact, several accounts of how this painting came about. It seems that Berry painted the first oil sketch of the Nordic summer evening in Assisi, in Italy. In this oil sketch, the singer Karin Pyk is depicted without a male counterpart. Pyk has been described as a beautiful and striking blonde from Gothenburg who worked as an opera singer in Europe and the United States. After receiving an inheritance that made her financially independent, she returned to Stockholm, where she socialized in artist circles as well as the aristocracy. This is how she entered Berg's circle of friends. The Swedish author Per Hallström is mentioned as the first model for the male in the painting, but in the end it was Prince Eugene who took over this role. The sources diverge. In some accounts, it is mentioned that Berry, back in Stockholm, took up work on the picture he had begun in Italy. One day, the Danish painter Viggo Johansson and his wife Marta came out to Berg's summer residency with Prince Eugene. Marta Johansson is said to have encouraged Berg to complete the painting and thought that Prince Eugene should be the model for the male. It's difficult to recreate the exact turn of events in the process of painting Nordic summer evening since the same circle of friends of people hung out in Assisi as well as in Stockholm. Work on the painting proceeded over the summer and fall of 1899. There is a letter preserved from September in which Barry asks another artist, Eugene Jansson, to sit as a model when the prince was unavailable. The letter says... You could do me a great favor by letting me draw your one leg of trousers. This is what Bay wrote to Jansson when he had problems with the depiction of the particular trouser leg. Even in the final version, one can see that Bay had his struggles with the leg of the prince that leans against the balustrade. Other letters that have been preserved also testify that Bay's friends followed the development of the painting with great interest. The artist Carl Larsson wrote in a letter from November of 1899 to the later owner of the painting, Pontus Fürsteberg. Now the painting is damn good and could be finished within a couple of days' work, but now he has to wait until next summer, and now he's repainting his old painting with the knight and the red plumes. Richard Bay continued to work on Nordic summer evening in 1899 and 1900, and this is also what the dating in the painting says, even though he began work on it as early as in 1897. Nordic summer evening is an excellent example of how important the mood is that's conveyed in Swedish national romanticism. The subject matter is ambivalent and suggestive, with its unspoken melancholy and perhaps even a yearning between the couple in the painting. The couple in front of us is looking out over the water towards the woods, but they really seem to be looking inward. It is a stillness that is portrayed which expresses loneliness despite the twosomeness in the image. The quietness and harmony perceived is not only inferred in the subject matter, portraying the couple lost in their own thoughts, but it is also contrived in the composition of the painting. 
It's a well-balanced composition said to be influenced by the triptychs from the Italian Renaissance and that the composition in three parts helped to accomplish balance, harmony, and symmetry. The two porch posts naturally create the division of the composition. When he began the painting, Ricca Bay had travelled to Italy to study the painting of the old masters, and it is therefore believed that the Renaissance art he studied came to influence the symmetrical composition in this picture. This influence has also inspired some interpretations, such as Mother Nature replacing the Mother of God in the triptych, as nature is the centrepiece of the painting. It's not apparent at first, but when you examine the painting, you see that Barry created an underlying structure that consists of the vertical and horizontal lines. When we look at the vertical lines, we first see the two posts and the two figures, as well as the baluster forms on the porch railing. The horizontal lines in the painting form a balanced contrast to the vertical lines. Starting from the bottom, we see the railing, the float next to the small boat, the reflections on the water surface, a strip of woodland, and at the top, the light blue sky that mounts the painting's horizontality. The delicate interplay of the vertical and horizontal further emphasizes the sense of harmony and stillness. The static composition leads to greater monumentality, making the audience feel that they are observing a moment that could last forever. There is a contrast between the woman's light dress and the man's dark suit, which has also led to different interpretations. Some scholars have argued that this contrast could relate to a metaphor of life and death. Berg was very interested in literature and was well-read. It's been suggested that the image not only represents the pleasure of life, but that it could also be interpreted as a reference to Greek mythology and Sharon who brings the people to the realm of the dead. This sinister interpretation has been made because of Barry's personal battles with depression. Richard Bay painted the work in harmonious tones and hues with the delicate play of light for which he became known as an artist. The cool tones of the blue-white shadowed sky and water surface contrasts nicely with the warm tones of the sun-streaked treetops and the porch. The colors are fascinating. When you're very close to the painting, the reflections of the sunlight on the woman's dress and the posts behind her look almost like neon colors, while from a distance you perceive the colors as natural for seen at sunset. In general, the painting is very suggestive and evokes many ideas for different interpretations. In the United States, the painting attracted much attention due to the Northern Light exhibition, which toured in 1982-1983. The reception in America seems to have emphasized the erotic charge in the painting, while the Swedish reception has always been more focused on the relationship between human and nature. The woman and the man stand with some distance apart from each other, There is no direct interaction between them, which has, in a Scandinavian context, sometimes been compared to the relationships in the plays of the contemporary Norwegian writer Henrik Ibsen, for example, A Doll's House. Since the painting evokes people's imagination, and even back when it was first exhibited, it stirred some ideas, 
Karin Peek and Prince Eugene seem to have been worried that a relationship could be imagined. Both were careful to point out that they did not pose at the same time for Barry. But even so, their presence in the picture stirred rumours. Karin Peek's sister told the Swedish art historian Sixten Strömbom when he was conducting research about Barry that some rumours had surfaced. According to Peek's sister, some people had gossiped about the nature of the relationship between the singer and the prince, who claimed that they had lived in a secret marriage. This would have been absolutely scandalous if it had been true. Because of this, it appears that Peek left the country to stay with her parents in Copenhagen for a while to escape the gossip. At the same time, it is understood from preserved letters that Prince Eugene and Karin Peek had a friendly relationship. The wife of Rikard Berry, Jada, described in a letter how, during a short walk from Florence to Fiesole, the prince and the singer went ahead of her and sang parts of Richard Wagner's opera Tannhäuser. It is interesting how this work of art has developed in so many places and how it's become such a symbol for Sweden. Yes, and the story behind the painting is so intriguing. One can really imagine how the singer Karin Pyk and Prince Eugene were affected by what could have become a scandal in the Swedish press. That's what we had to say about Nordic Summer Evening by Rickard Berg, one of the most famous Swedish paintings in the world. We hope you enjoyed listening to us and that you'll listen to the next episode. And in the next episode, we will tell you the fascinating story about Anders Sohn's painting Omnibus from 1890 and how he established his wildly successful career in America. 